0: Good morning, church. How are we today? Good, good. good. Let me invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, Today we find ourselves really at the peak of Peter's conversation on suffering. Uh, As he's discussed throughout, suffering is par for the course for believers in Christ. If you choose to follow after Jesus and you are living for him, you will suffer In fact, Peter went on to even say it is God's will for us to suffer. Here's the beauty, though, of our Savior. Jesus didn't just say this from up on high and stay in a comfy place. He left heaven and entered our space, suffered for our sin, died a brutal death on the cross. You see, God didn't ask us to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself. How many leaders in our world do you know of who are willing to get dirty with the quote-unquote average people? I don't know about you, but I've always respected managers and leaders and business owners and bosses who, who didn't view themselves as high and mighty and also didn't see any job as above them. I've always respected those kind of people. And this is how Jesus was. In Philippians 2, Paul tells us that Jesus didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, yet Jesus was God. Still, even in all of this, it is hard to suffer for doing good. This goes against our nature. What we want is justice. We want the guilty party to pay a price if we are suffering unjustly. And this is why it can be extremely challenging to follow Jesus. I've certainly had seasons where things have been hard and I've questioned whether or not this Jesus thing is really worth it. I could imagine Peter's audience asked the same thing. In fact, Peter himself. Do you remember what happened to him when Jesus was on trial? Right before he died, he denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times but praise god that he is a forgiving god and peter through his failures and through his various trials he learned to embrace suffering this is why this book is so rich it comes from a real guy who had real struggles and yet he's calling for us to endure suffering peter learned how to handle suffering in following jesus here's the title of the message In suffering, entrust your souls to God. In suffering, entrust your souls to God. Let's look at God's word together. Follow with me as I read 1 Peter 4, starting in verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice, rejoice. doing good. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we've had already to come together to encourage one another through song, to remind one another, and to proclaim once again your death and your resurrection and what that means for us. Christ, you are our firm foundation. Let us not build on another And Lord, in light of suffering, certainly we need our eyes, our gaze turned to you. And so would you do that, Lord? Would we, in our suffering, whether we faced it now or whether we'll face it in the future, let us grow in entrusting our souls to you while doing good. So Lord, would you open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. You alone deserve the glory And so, God, be a very present help to us now, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, because suffering is the path to following Jesus, how do we go about handling it? How do do we deal with that? Well, verse 19 is, is the climactic end to how we suffer well. I mean, this is where it is at Says this, verse nineteen. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful Creator while doing good. So, as, as we move our way through this passage, there are three principles that I see people uh, Peter sharing in how to suffer. And here's how these are going to work. You're going to have there's going to be a statement of something we don't do, and then also what we should do in light of that. So, here's the first thing: don't be surprised. Rather, rejoice. Don't be surprised. Rather, rejoice. Look again at verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice. And so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. Revealed. Now notice he starts off this section, this new section of scripture, he's, he's, he's pivoting slightly and he calls his readers beloved. Now we see, this, we see him do this one more time in this book earlier in 1 Peter 2.11, this is what he says, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Now, by saying beloved, here is what he's, he's doing. He, he's in essence saying, I need you to look me in the eyes. You ever have that when you're talking to your kids and you really need them to listen to what you're about to say? He's wanting their attention. He's about to say something that they really need to understand. They really need to grasp. In 1 Peter 2, he is warning them about the passions of their flesh. Be be aware, believers. Watch out. These are waging war against your soul. I need you to hear me. I need you to understand. And this is what he is doing in chapter 4 in verse 12. He's saying, look, I'm about to say something to you that is extremely difficult And Peter is not saying what he's about to say with the heart of flippantly throwing off suffering. But what he's saying is, look, I know what you are enduring and what you may endure is going to be extremely difficult. But I need you to do something here. Don't be surprised. At these fiery trials, as though something strange were happening to you. As believers, we should not be shocked. This is the life that has been ordained for us. You shouldn't be put off when suffering comes to you because of your faith in Christ. Now listen, I, I consider it a gift to live in the U.S. We have, we have so many freedoms. But you know what? I think sometimes we don't know how to handle them. Often, It leaves us entitled to an easy, carefree life. This is why we're a sue-crazy nation. Have you ever noticed that? Like, you can get sued over anything. It's, It's crazy. Now, I'm not saying there's never opportunities where it's right and okay to do that, pursue that. But as believers, we need to ask ourselves, is this necessary or is this the call on my life because I am a follower in Jesus? As Christians, we need to expect and embrace suffering for following Christ. Now, there there are a lot of things in my life that surprise me. Uh, I've been a Detroit Lions fan my whole life. And up to this year, it had been 32 years since they had won a playoff game. Now, if you don't know who the Detroit Lions are, they're a football team. If you don't know what football is, let's have a talk afterwards, okay? Uh, But... My whole life, they have been, for the most part, a trash organization, no offense. They just have not been led well. It seems like the owners don't care anything about what their team does. And so I I have just given up hope, like still a fan, but given up hope for them to do anything. And here we are, we find ourselves 32 years after their their, their last victory, they've won two in a row. And I am absolutely shocked that they are one win away from being in the Super Bowl. As a Lions fan, I, 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 whatever happens tonight, like, I, I, don't, I don't really care as much because they've won two games. They've, they've had an incredible season. I'm shocked. But Aaron, uh, the prayer meeting does end at 6.15, just so you mind. The game's at 6.30. So, Are we praying for the Lions tonight, by the way? <laughs> it's shocking to me. We're not going to pray for the Lions. And guess what? If revival breaks out, I'll be here for it, right? It's shocking to me that they're one win away. I never thought I would see him even get sniff the Super Bowl, let alone win a couple games. It's shocking. But here's what we shouldn't find shocking. Suffering as believers in Christ. This shouldn't surprise us. We shouldn't be caught off guard by it. All throughout Scripture, we see it. 1 Thessalonians 3.3, that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are, what, destined for these. This is what we're called to. Our Savior said this in John 15, 20. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, did they persecute Jesus? They will also persecute you. This is the call. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. Don't let the blessings of America think that you got it made until the day you die. Don't be surprised. Instead, Peter calls for us to rejoice. If you are suffering for doing good, you are participating in the suffering of Christ. This is how he he suffered. In, In Jesus' mouth, there was no deceit, never. He wasn't just a good moral man most of the time. All the time he was. Absolutely perfect. And yet he endured it by doing good. Rejoice in the fact that you can relate with Christ. And believer, it is necessary for you to rejoice in your sufferings. For in so doing, you will also rejoice and be glad when Christ's glory is revealed. This is what it says here. When Christ returns, you will also rejoice in that. Suffering now, glory later. And and here's the warning for us in here. Here's what Peter is saying. Look, when you experience suffering for following Jesus, it shows the genuineness of your faith. Remember, Peter calls these fiery trials to test us. And the question is, will you hold on to Jesus or will you ultimately reject him? Turn with me to Luke 14. Luke chapter 14. You know, for so many people... I've heard so many fluff proclamations of the gospel that most times leave out suffering. (laughs) It's, hey, do you want a good life? Do you want your best life now? Come to Jesus. He'll take care of all your problems. Now, is that true? I mean, there's a certain degree that is true. But we often twist that in our minds to think, I'm going to follow Jesus and everything's going to go well. But Jesus himself never said that. He didn't go to the disciples and say, hey, come to me, and I'm going to give you an easy life with no suffering. No, this is what he says in Luke 14. These are hard things for us to hear, but things that we should consider as believers. Or if you are here, considering, do I want to follow this Jesus? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, this is not hate in the sense of like, you're, I, I can't stand you. This is a hate of, I'm not choosing you over Christ. I'm not choosing my own life over Christ. I'm not going to choose your approval of me over my approval of Christ through his resurre- death and resurrection. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What is the cross a tool of? It's a tool of death. He's saying, look, you've got to die to yourself daily. This is the call to follow me. You must die to yourself. Verse 28, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Here's what he's saying. Look, don't take this lightly of following after me. Don't be like a builder who like, wants to build a building and doesn't consider what he's going to need in order to build it, that's foolish. This is what he's questioning. Like, what kind of builder was that? Who, who would do that? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and, waste, and build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Listen, these afflictions, these sufferings that we endure are a test. Are we truly in or are we in this for whatever we can gain selfishly out of this? When we surrender our lives to follow Jesus, it is a surrender to what comes with that, and that is suffering. When we endure suffering today for doing good, we will experience glory tomorrow. We'll be able to celebrate when Jesus is revealed once again, when he comes back for us. We will have heaven tomorrow. We will be with our Savior forever but often our flesh flips this upside down when do we want the glory we want it now and we don't want Christ's glory we want self-glory we want to lift up ourselves we want our own pleasures we want our own stuff but what follows glory now suffering for eternity Those who choose glory in this world will experience eternal suffering, and all this glory is temporary. It's the same way that sin works. You're tempted, and what are you tempted with? Hey, I've got something that you want. It's going to bring you joy. It's going to give you pleasure. Sound familiar? Sounds kind of like Adam and Eve, doesn't it? Don't you know what you're missing out on? And so we think, yes, I want that glory now. Isn't that what Adam and Eve wanted? They wanted to be like God. This is what sin is. We want our own glory. We want to feel that pleasure. What happens, though, when we take of that fruit? That glory may be there temporarily, but pretty quickly afterwards, there comes this guilt and suffering from that. Listen, we will either choose to suffer now And experience God's glory for an eternity. Or we will pursue self-glory and we will suffer for an eternity. So what is it going to be for you today? Will you embrace the temporary suffering in this world and wait for the eternal glory that's beyond all comparison? Or will you pursue temporal glory now only to face suffering later? Believer, don't be surprised at your suffering. Instead, rather rejoice. Look at verse fourteen. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let no one, none of you, suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Here is the next principle. Don't suffer for your sin, rather suffer for your Savior. Don't suffer for your sin, suffer for your Savior. This this is not new. We've heard about this earlier in 1 Peter 2, verse 20. It says this, For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sights of God. So we understand this, right? Like, if you are a fool, if you break the law, there are consequences to that. And you don't get rewarded for enduring your own foolishness, right? Like, nobody has pity on the, on the guy who is completely, clearly guilty. He gets what he deserves. We understand that. This is clear to us. So the same thing is true. Don't, don't suffer because of your sin. Don't let that be the reason for it. And I would say, we have to be careful with this, but one question we should ask if we find ourselves, and when we find ourselves in season season of suffering is this, am am I caught in a pattern of sin? Is this because of my own foolishness? Now here's why we have to be careful, because not all suffering is because of sin. Uh, I'm reading through the Bible in a year, and right now we're in the book of Job. Did Job suffer, experience all that because he was a wicked man? No, what did God say to Satan? He was like, "Consider this righteous man, Job." But that doesn't mean that like we don't suffer. The reality is, we can still suffer for our own sin, and we must take that seriously. Don't suffer because of your own sin. At our house, uh, we have a kind of a simple definition of obedience, and we. Regularly we look at that and say, how, how do we obey? We obey all the way, right away, with a happy heart. Just to break that down, we obey all the way. That means you do what you're told to do. We obey right away. That means you do it when you're told to do it. We don't wait. We don't sit around. We don't wait for the next commercial. Like we do it right away. And then we do it with the right with a happy heart. We do it with the right heart attitude. And so whenever our kids disobey, we take them aside and we say, Look, what did you obey? No, how did you not obey? You didn't, you didn't, you had a bad attitude, or you didn't do what I asked you to do, or you waited until you did what I asked you to do. And So therefore, you're being disciplined, but who is the one who chose to disobey? Me. And what happens when we disobey? We get disciplined. They know this. This is is what Peter's saying, like you know, like you're going to suffer for your sin. Don't do that. Don't let your suffering be because of that. Don't let your suffering be because of your own rebellion against God. But when you are insulted for the name of Christ, you should know something here. Peter wants you to know. Look, when that happens, when you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Isn't that a strange thing for Peter to say? I'd be like, wait, 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 Peter. I'm not a fan of people calling me names. I went to a public school and I was called church boy a lot. Wasn't super offended by that, but I know people who have been insulted by much greater things. How is this a blessing? This is not something I take joy in. And if I lived back then, I'd be tempted to ask Peter, like, what are you talking about? I, I, I'm being isolated, I'm being called out. This doesn't feel like a blessing. How are we blessed in those moments? And then Peter goes on to say why we are blessed. Don't you love that? Like, all throughout Scripture, God doesn't just tell us to do things. He gives us reasons why. And he doesn't say this. He doesn't say, you will be blessed. You are blessed. Why? Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Listen, believer, when you are insulted for the name of Christ, God is right there. He's got your back. The one who is all-powerful The one who is sovereign over all things. He is a very present help. He is with you in those moments. So Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of need. And listen, there are are seasons where I I get afraid of what may become of me. Being a public proclaimer of God's word and calling out sin. And sometimes naming it by names in a culture that approves of it. I don't know what's going to happen down the road. There, There are times where I'm fearful. Well, what am I going to say if I'm put on trial? And I remembered the words of Jesus this week in Mark 13. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but what? Who? The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is with you. Here's the problem. Sometimes we are just unmoved by that. Do you realize the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives within you, believer? So you need not fear what may come down the road. It's scary. When I read through the book of martyrs and I look through the scriptures and see what certain believers had to affect, it's scary, but we don't have to be afraid. In those fears, the question of will I persevere to the end, 1 Peter says, yes, you will. If you have truly repented of your sin and placed your faith, the spirit of God has been given to you and you, he will carry you to the end. So believer, don't fear what man can do to the body. Entrust your souls to your faithful creator whose spirit is a very present help in time of need. So believer, don't suffer for sin. Rather, suffer for your savior. And this really... Ties into the last point. Here's the, here it is. Don't be ashamed. Rather glorify God. Don't be ashamed. Rather glorify God. Look at verse 16. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. You know, whenever... Whenever you suffer on behalf of something else, there, there, there's a temptation to be ashamed of it. Or if there's a threat of suffering for standing up for something, that, that, that shame that may come with that keeps us from doing what is right. And Peter wants these believers to avoid being ashamed. This is challenging, isn't it? As Christians, we are what? Are we the minority or the majority in the world? minority. The gate that leads to destruction is what? It's wide. There's plenty of room. Narrow is the gate. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And so we we all have this innate sense inside of us that we want to belong. I think that's God-given. The problem is we want to belong to ourselves. We want to belong to other things. But we want to belong, and so We can be tempted to be ashamed of something that might make us outcasts. I remember very vividly in high school, we had an English class and we had to give a speech on a song. So we would play the song for the whole class and then we'd have to give a speech. And so I had picked out a very Christian song. You know, like there are some Christian songs where this this could be a love story. Like this is... This is like, who, who are they talking about here? You could put Jesus, or you could put Martha in there, you know, like you could put whatever name in there. And so it, it was coming time for me to give my speech, and I was getting a little nervous. And I remember it was a Friday before winter break. Now, I don't know how schools work now, but uh, the semester would continue after winter break was over, and so... There were a couple ahead of me, but I knew there was a good chance that I might get my name called. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? And lo and behold, uh, that Friday came and went, and I didn't get my turn. And over break, I was dwelling on that reality. I'm going to have to play this song, and what are the people going to think of me? I was at a public school. And so I actually actually changed the song and went with a a secular one. And I, I remember that to this day. Like, in essence, in, the, in that moment, I was ashamed of my faith in Christ. I was ashamed uh, of what people may think. And Peter's like, don't be ashamed. Now, praise the Lord. All hope is not lost. Like Peter, like Jesus coming to Peter, and remember remember after he denied him? You can imagine the shame that Peter felt, and what did Jesus say to him? Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Three times. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Well, in in college i was in a speech class and very very worldly uh teacher uh anim- some animosity towards christ i mean he he said so i mean he was the kind of guy who shared with us how he bragged to his son that his daughter lost her virginity before he did so this is the sense of kind of the paganism in this i, I, don't, I don't say that in judgment i just say like he was worldly had no love for jesus and the class uh, was also full of people uh, who, I, don't, I mean, I'm, maybe there were some others that loved Jesus, but uh, just for instance, one of the speeches was how to make a bong. Now, if you don't know what a bong is, praise the Lord. Uh, <laughs> but a very pagan uh, setting. And so I, I decided one of the speeches I was going to give is why I think the Bible is true. And so very boldly got up there, a lot of notes, this is why I believe the Bible is true and got a good grade, but even on the paper, the teacher had mentioned, like, I completely disagree with you, but good speech, you know, but praise the Lord. He allowed an opportunity. Listen, brothers and sisters of Christ, don't be ashamed. Don't allow shame to come into the picture. You will suffer. You may be insulted, but don't be ashamed. Rather, what Peter says here is glorify God. Listen, You cannot be ashamed of being a believer and at the same time glorify God. These two things don't work together. To glorify means to praise. It means to make much of. I, I love what John Piper said. He says this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. If you are ashamed of God, it means you don't find satisfaction in him. But the more satisfied you are in him, the more he is glorified in you. So believer, put your hope fully in Christ. Rejoice in him. When we glorify God in suffering for Christ, this is what we are communicating. Christ, you are my ultimate treasure. Whatever you value most, is what is most glorified in your life. You're not ashamed of things that you love deeply. Don't be ashamed. May we be like Martin Luther, the writer of A Mighty Fortress is Our God. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him, Who with us sigheth, let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still, His kingdom is forever. Listen, when we endure suffering for following Jesus faithfully, and we do it rejoicing, there's no greater testimony to a watching world who finds us strange for not delighting in the things of this world. I don't think our light shines brighter than in those moments. Our light doesn't shine bright when we're prospering. Our faith isn't at its strongest when life is easy. It shines brightest when when we're suffering unjustly so we still glorify God in those moments. And Peter gives us some sobering thoughts here in verse 17 and 18. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Now, What is Peter getting at here? Is he saying that these believers were being judged And so they were suffering because of judgment over their sin. This is not what Peter's saying. Remember, at the beginning of the book, these are tests. These are to declare whether or not their faith is genuine. Look at 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7 again. It says this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Why? So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you are a believer in Christ, you will endure suffering. Here's why. You will endure it. It's because the Spirit of God dwells within you. These trials that you go through, they're they're testing your faith, they're strengthening your faith. Listen, I believe this fully true. I, I would rather have all the faith in the world towards God than have a full bank account. I've I found in my life that how much money is enough and it's always a little bit more. I make more now than I did when I was 20, and guess what? The same emptiness comes when I put my hope in that. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the, your faith in Christ is more important than gold or silver? But sadly, not every professing believer will remain faithful to the end. There's a, a pastor, former pastor, who, whom I deeply respected, read many of his books, saw him preach at conferences. One of the books that he wrote was about humble orthodoxy. He endured a lot of crazy stuff at the church that he was pastoring. And at the end of it all, he completely deconstructed his faith to the point of unbelief. He went from being this apparently humble man to being quite vulgar in social media. One of the most shocking changes I've ever seen in someone. This this is what Peter is getting at. Look, judgment is coming to the house of God. Testing is coming. How how are you doing with the testing in your life? Are you embracing it? Or do you see the world come out in those moments? We need to be careful here. The trials that we face will expose whether or not our faith is true or not. Eventually, eventually, in your life you will come to places where suffering is hard and the truth of your faith will be made known but listen there's hope in this you may you may think you ever you ever observe unbelievers around you who feel like their life is going so much better than you you ever ever do that i've done that i've looked like why are they enjoying this so much Why aren't things going so easy? Why aren't they experiencing these things? And what Peter's saying is like, yeah, you may think it's hard for you, but judgment's coming for them as well. And you're not going to want to face the judgment that the unbeliever will face. Just judgment. Those of you who are here today, you will one day face Christ. You will face the throne of judgment, and if you have not placed your faith in Christ, then you will be cast into the lake of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth forever. My prayer for you is that God would open your eyes, that you would see your sin, and see how glorious your Savior is. Suffering unbelievers will face is far worse. So we don't need to say it's unfair that believers aren't suffering if that's what we see. Know this. Everyone will suffer. Everyone. You can either suffer now for the sake of Christ and enjoy his glory later or you can participate in self-glory now and suffer in eternity in hell later. So what do we do with all this? It's, It's a hard life. That brings us back to where we started. Verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Believer, let your suffering be because you love Jesus. This is God's will for you, and in doing so, I know it's hard. We don't like to be isolated. We don't like being alone, but entrust your souls to what kind of creator? Faithful. God is incredibly faithful. Do you believe his word or not? He will never leave you or forsake you. He who began a good work will bring it to completion. In your darkest hours, He is there. When you feel like you've been abandoned, remember He is a very present help in time of need. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Why? Because the Spirit of God rests on you. But don't leave that last phrase out. Entrust your souls to a faithful Creator while doing good. Here, here's what can happen with me. In, in the midst of going through hard times, I can find myself... Throwing a pity party. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you love to throw yourself a good pity party and invite your friends? That's one reason why I'm not not anti-social media, but one thing that drives me crazy is when people, all they do is just negative, negative, negative. Look how bad my life is. I'm like, is this what Peter wants us to do? Just to... Peter's not saying, like act like nothing is going on. This doesn't mean that we don't share our burdens, but there has to be a sense where we keep doing good. We keep pursuing the Lord. Stop focusing on yourself. Focus on God, who is preparing a place for you, believer. This is not your home. You're a stranger just passing through. Don't put all your eggs in the world basket. May we, like Paul, be able to call these Afflictions light and momentary because they just don't compare. We don't know what awaits, but what we do know is they don't compare to the eternal glory that we will experience in in heaven. Feeling sorry for yourself isn't entrusting your souls to your faithful creator. Put off glory now so that you can rejoice in the glory of Christ when he comes again. God's got you. Jesus is preparing a place even now. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you don't give us fluff in your word, Lord. This is not everyday Friday type of news. This is sobering, something that we all need to ponder and consider and think about. Lord, if if I'm honest with myself, there are often times where I do have that pity party. I do feel sorry for myself. I, I do want others to feel sorry with me. And Lord, this is, in those moments, I can't be so consumed with myself and then in the same, at the same time be doing good. And so Lord, keep us burning bright so that others may see our good works, not to glorify ourselves, but that we can point to you. God, help us to grow in entrusting our souls to you, our faithful creator. Keep us amazed at the reality that the Spirit of God rests upon us when we are insulted. Lord, you are a very present help. You will never leave us or forsake us. God, we forget that. Lord, if we really believe that, how different would our life be knowing that you are right here by our side in our darkest moments, even when we can't see you. Even when we can't feel you, Lord. You are there. You are here with us. Oh, Lord overwhelm us with that reality today. Overwhelm us with that reality on a daily basis. Let it transform us. And Lord, we thank you for your spirit that is patient. We're not going to get this right all the time. We're going to suffer and we're going to complain, but I thank you for your spirit that always draws us back. You never leave us or forsake us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me leave you with uh, some action steps that you can put into practice this week. First of all, hide 1 Peter 4, 12, or 19 in your heart. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Don't circle the wagons, guys. Don't circle the wagons and look inward. Keep pursuing him. And I just encourage you, spend some extra time praying through, reading through 1 Peter 4, particularly just this passage. These are not easy, man. This is not easy. These are not things that you say and just like, oh, yeah, let's go. This is no problem at all. This is is hard work. We need the Spirit of God. And so I encourage you just to spend some more time thinking, pursuing that. Question for you to ponder this week, who or what are you entrusting your soul to? Here's another way you could say it. Who or what are you finding your joy in? Look, if, 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 if I put my joy in the Detroit Lions, sure, do they have a chance to win it this year? I mean, pretty slim in my opinion. But even if they were to win it this year, next year comes and guess what? Disappointment comes, right? I've had team, I have my teams that I cheer for win the championship and the next year they disappoint and if, if your hope is in that, then you find yourself lacking joy. You're you're entrusting your souls for joy and things that don't matter. So who or what are you truly? Not who you should. There's two different ways. Who should you put your trust in? Who should you entrust your soul to? We know the answer to that. But who are you really? What are you really entrusting your soul to? And then lastly, rejoice in suffering. When you you suffer for following Jesus, rejoice because you can relate with Christ. This is, again, we need the Holy Spirit, but I always think of, how many of you this week or in your life have found yourself hanging on a cross with nails in your hands after being beaten on your back and then looking at the ones who put you up there and saying, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. That's our Savior. Man, may we somehow miraculously be able to say that to our enemies or those who are after us. Church, remember this. You are the light of the world. Your light will shine brightest in moments of suffering where you continue to glorify God through that. Let your light shine so that others may see your good works. Not to lift you up, not to make much of you, but to glorify your Father who is in heaven. Listen, before you you leave, uh, first of all, Aaron and I would love to pray with you. Nick as well. If you're new, you can meet Nick out there. You can share your prayer request there. He's got a gift for you as well. Be sure to reach out if you need prayer. If there's somebody else that you came with that you could just lay your burdens down. This is what the church is for, to carry one another's burdens. It's not humble to keep yourself private and not open up your life. Scripture calls for us to do this, to reach out. So don't leave before you do that. Also, if you're willing to help, uh, we're going to, tonight's going to look a little bit differently gonna be a sweet time of prayer and we're gonna actually tear down for a little bit so if you're able to stick around for we won't start right away but in a couple minutes we're gonna keep the first three rows everything else we're gonna tear down and try to see if we can get about five circles of eight so if you could hang out that'd be great otherwise the rest of you have a great week